Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show presented by our good friends at Purdy Insurance Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. They'll save you money, bundles, whatever it may be. They want to save you money, but make sure you're fully insured at the same time. It's all at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. The Bucks get themselves back in the series, our play-by-play call of the day. Minute remaining here in this third period. Lieutenant Kupal throws it up, shot won't go, gets the rebound, back up, bats it in, and a foul! Giannis Antetokounmpo punishing the Suns here in the third. Giannis ended up with 41 last night, and the Bucks have narrowed it to two games to one with game four coming up Wednesday night in Milwaukee. Basketball is center stage now because the hockey season is over, and it's our pleasure to bring in our friend Kenny Albert, who did a brilliant job on the Stanley Cup final and throughout the playoffs with NBC. Kenny, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Steve. Great to be with you. How are you? I'm doing really well. How's our guy Ben Bowman doing? Well, I spent the last month with Ben. Uh, for the listeners who uh, are not familiar, uh, Penn State graduate, uh, terrific player on the club hockey team back in the late 80s, early 90s, and he's been an integral part of uh, not only my broadcasts over the last 30 years, but uh, has worked uh, throughout the years with Doc Emmerich and Steve Levy and Mike Tirico and uh, so many of the other uh, top announcers in all sports around North America. So uh, we were traveling together during the last two rounds of the playoffs and uh, now probably won't see him for a little bit of time. <laughs> in fact, we've gone from me announcing his games when he played to you now working with him. So that's, that's, that's where you're in the transition of life. Um, which does bring up the fact that the Canadian border, of course, was closed the NHL had to put together an agreement to allow travel. What was that like for you traveling back and forth from Canada, and what restrictions did you have in Canada that you did not have in Florida? Well, we actually had the same restrictions in both uh, Montreal and Tampa during the okay. Stanley Cup final. Uh, the NHL did a terrific job, uh, as was the case in the bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto last year, and setting everything up and keeping everybody safe. and. Uh, this year was a little different because uh, the teams played their games, obviously, in their home arenas. And the first two rounds, uh, the Canadian teams played one another, so it was not an issue. Uh, but once Montreal advanced and played the Vegas Golden Knights in the semifinal and then the final round against uh, Tampa Bay, I did not work that third-round series. Uh, so the restrictions for us uh, began uh, the day before Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final, and it was basically the agreement the league made with the Canadian government in order to allow all of us to travel to Canada and work immediately. Uh, because uh, for the common folk who are not uh, working hockey games, uh, there's a 14-day quarantine if you travel from the U.S. Uh, up to Canada. Um, we obviously had to work the game the next day, so 
the rules that were set in place uh, were basically in both Tampa and Montreal. Aside from games and practices, we really couldn't leave the hotel. Um, you had to order room service. You had to order food in. Uh, couldn't go for extended walks. Uh, couldn't sit out by the pool. Uh, the way I looked at it, Steve, if you told me I would have the opportunity to call the Stanley Cup final, but I couldn't go to a restaurant for a couple of days, uh, where do I sign up for that? So right. uh, exactly. from my perspective, it was not really an issue. Um, we had two days off in Montreal last weekend, Saturday and Sunday, um, and, and the hotel provided an outdoor terrace on the roof, and uh, we were able to spend three, four hours up there. So we did get some fresh air. Uh, the hotel gym was uh, accessible to us. Uh, as part of the NHL traveling party at certain times. So, uh, like I said, it wasn't all that bad. Uh, the trade-off, the opportunity to call the Stanley Cup final, uh, that, that outweighed everything. So um, if I couldn't eat in a restaurant for a few days, not really a big deal. As far as the travel, uh, we were on an NHL charter flight from Tampa to Montreal uh, between games two and three, and then from Montreal to Tampa uh, back the other way prior to game five. So that was actually pretty simple. I think the first time the country really got a chance to see Andre Vasilevsky was when the when the Lightning played the Blackhawks in the final, and he had to fill in for a game in the finals or a couple games in the finals because of an injury. Um, and he gave a really terrific account of himself. What has turned him into a special goaltender? You're absolutely right, Steve. I remember watching that series on television uh, when he entered and, and played real well against the Blackhawks uh, when he replaced Ben Bishop, who had had some injury issues throughout those playoffs in 2015. But, um, you know, as Eddie Olchek and Brian Boucher mentioned during Game 5, I totally agreed that uh, Vasilevsky should be the Conn Smythe winner. Uh, Nikita Kucherov was tremendous. Braden Point scored a goal in nine straight games earlier in the playoffs. But... When you look at Vasilevsky's body of work, uh, five straight shutouts in series-clinching games is incredible. Uh, One-nothing games in both the semifinal round this year, Game 7 against the Islanders, one-nothing in Game 5 against Montreal. So it's not like he had it easy. His team didn't score three or four goals in those games. They were tight games right down the wire. So, um, you know, he, he's big. He's an excellent skater. He blocks so much of the net. He's so confident. Really anything you look for in a goalie and – uh, he's the first since Ken Dryden to win back-to-back -back cups, playing every minute of every game for his team over those two playoffs. He has a uh, great team in front of him. Uh, you know, you talk about Victor Hedman, who won the Conn Smythe last year, Ryan McDonough, who was amazing in the playoffs, um, Eric Chernak, Sergachev, uh, you know, right on down the line, the entire group of defensemen, Jan Ruda. Um, they, they were just tremendous in front of Vasilevsky. And then up front, you have, uh, I think, the deepest group of forwards in the league. Uh, there's a reason why John Cooper started uh, his so-called third line in every game over the last three rounds. Yeah. Blake Coleman with yeah. Barkley Goodrow and Yanni Gord. Uh, you have Kucherov and Point on that first line with Andre Pallad and then the Stamkos unit, Alex Kalorn. So, uh, and, and even the fourth line. You, know, you look at what Pat Maroon and Matthew Joseph, uh, yeah. Tyler Johnson were able to do after the Kalorn injury. So, um, just such a well-balanced team. They will have some salary cap issues moving forward, but uh, certainly well-deserving of uh, winning back-to-back -back Stanley Cup championships. Uh, when Bobby Orr scored the game-winner against the St. Louis Blues in 70, Harry Sinden tells the story. The first thing he looked at was, did Eddie Westfall drop back to the point to cover for Orr? <laughs> okay. First thing he looked at. 
Right. Now let's bring it up to, to now. The Tampa Bay defensemen get deep on plays. I mean, there are times they're, they're right there in the thick of it. I mean, they scored a goal with a defenseman deep in on a play. I think it was up, uh, may have been up in Montreal it happened. But my point is, what does it tell you about the forwards that are willing to not only attack but cover up when the defense is able to do what they do? Right. We, we did see that throughout the playoffs, uh, especially in the last two rounds. Um, I didn't work any lightning games in person over the first two rounds, but you're absolutely right, Steve. Uh, you know, whether it was Hedman or McDonough or Ruder, Sergachev, Chernak, David Savard, they would, they would be so comfortable in that rotation where, where the forwards would drop back and help out. Um, that, that's a great point about Harry Sinden and Bobby Orr and Eddie Westfall. I actually referenced that goal. I thought the record would be broken in game four. Uh, there are 17 uh, overtime winning cup, uh, cup winning goals in history. Uh, yep. You know, 17 overtime goals have won the Stanley Cup. And the quickest of those 17 was Bobby Orr, 40 seconds yeah. in, which I mentioned prior to the overtime in game four because the Lightning yep. were on a power play. Yep. And during the break between the third period and overtime, I was with Ben Bulma and Eddie Olchek, and we all thought it was about 95% that the Lightning would score during that power play <laughs> with Shea Weber in the box for three more minutes. And we thought it would be quick. And as it turned out, the Canadians did a great job. They killed off the penalty and wound up getting the overtime goal from Josh Anderson, but uh, Bobby Orr's goal in 1970 was 40 seconds in, and that's the quickest overtime Stanley Cup clinching goal in history. Montreal has not been on this stage for a long time since they won the Cup in 93. You and I both know that they were almost always on that stage up until 1993. Uh, I know you were confined to a hotel, but what was the, the feeling that you got as to how that city reacted to having Summon in the cup final again. Well, it was so exciting to be involved in a cup final in Montreal. Now, was it the same as if uh, we were able to go outside and, and there were 18,000 right. people in the building? No. Um, they announced 3,500 at both games three and four. Um, Eddie and, and Pierre and Brian all mentioned this during the telecast. It felt like there were at least seven or 8,000 in the building yeah. for both games. It was loud. And uh, if you were there, you, you probably would have thought the same thing. Now, I don't know the exact number, but it was a great atmosphere, especially game four when, when Montreal won it in overtime. The building exploded. Um, I spent some time in the hotel watching the 93 uh, Stanley Cup Final Series. Uh, those games are replayed on, on television while we're in Montreal. So, uh, so exciting to be a, a part of it. And uh, couldn't get the full effect since we weren't allowed really outside. Right. But uh, just just exciting to be in Montreal and um, you know in particular during a Stanley Cup final I think we'll all look back and say wow that was pretty cool um, you know even with some of the restrictions um, you know Montreal you have to give them credit for what they did in the playoffs they were the 18th best team during the regular season they had fewer points than a couple of teams that missed the playoffs the New York Rangers and the Dallas Stars and you could arguably say they were in a weaker division um, but they, they got it done. They came back from 3-1 down against the Maple Leafs. They swept Winnipeg. Um, I was shocked when they beat Vegas. I had come off the yeah. Vegas-Colorado series, and I didn't think there was any way that, that Vegas would lose to Montreal. But Carey Price was outstanding. They won some big overtime games and found themselves in the cup final for the first time in 28 years. End of an era because NBC is now done with, uh, with, with hockey, at least for now. 
uh, what was it like? You know, all everything that they put in, all the innovations. You know, you talked about Brian and Pierre being between the glass. That's part of it. Outdoor games, New Year's Day games, things like that. Uh, what was it like being around that crew, knowing down the stretch that this was going to be it? Well, first of all, so proud and honored to be a part of it. Um, everything you just mentioned uh, for 16 years, NBC did. 80, 90, 100 regular season games every year. Every playoff game was televised in North America, uh, in the U.S., which had never happened before. Um, Sam Flood creating the inside-the-glass position initially for Pierre and then Brian and Joe Micheletti and so many others. I think that led to about 50 jobs uh, around the U.S. and Canada because most teams now have an inside-the-glass position, either a former player or a reporter. Every network in the U.S. and Canada has somebody inside the glass uh, the introduction of the outdoor games, the Winter Classic, the Stadium Series. Doc Emmerich, for 15 of the 16 <laughs> years, the yeah. arguably the greatest hockey play-by-play announcer in the United States of all time. So um, a lot of fond memories, great people. Um, on the analyst side, Eddie, Brian, Pierre, Joe Micheletti, Keith Jones, right on down the line. And, uh, you know, it was, it was sad, you know, down the stretch uh, during those final games. Now, for some of us, uh, we will move on and work for other networks, but uh, really felt for the people behind the scenes, uh, the production folks who, uh, again, most of them will stay at NBC and work other sports, but they were so passionate about hockey and, and put the last uh, 10, 15, 16 years into it. So these things do go in cycles. Who knows what will happen uh, seven years from now? We've seen right. it in, in other sports. Um, I was the beneficiary along with a number of other young announcers when when Fox stole the NFC rights away from CBS back in 1993-94. So um, we, we do see it happen. Rights fees change, but uh, just a tremendous job by NBC over the last 16 years. And like I said, uh, so proud and honored to be a part of the group. We've seen what Turner has done uh, with baseball, with what Turner especially has done with the NBA. Uh, what's the level of excitement of what Turner can do with the NHL? Well, a lot of excitement. Um, you know, Jeff Zucker is a huge sports fan. Um, having come from NBC, his first job was as an Olympic researcher at NBC, and uh, he's at the top of the food chain at Turner and just a, a wonderful guy. I had the opportunity to spend some time with him last week at an event. Um, Turner has great people on the management side, and uh, you mentioned what they've been able to do through the years with the NBA and Major League Baseball. Uh, couldn't be more excited to be uh, a part of the new era, along with Eddie Olchek. And I know Wayne Gretzky was announced. Um, you know, it was announced that he'll be one of the studio analysts. I know some others uh, will be announced shortly. So uh, it will be a lot of fun to be a part of the new team. Uh, wish ESPN well, as they have the other half of the package. So uh, it'll be here before you know it. It's a short off season this year, Steve. Yeah, it's a, it is a short off season. I mean, well, it's always a short off season for you anyway. <laughs> you go for you're going to go from this right into uh, the NFL coming up. But I have to ask you about your dad. Speaking of Turner, speaking of NBC, uh, it was a, an incredible send off. I mean, I thought Reggie Miller was great. I think guys in the studio were great. What were your thoughts sitting there watching Dad for the final time on national TV do something like that after? a career that goes beyond words. Yeah, Reggie did do a great job. I was in my hotel room during the quarantine in Montreal watching that final game, and as I'm sure many people felt, as the 
Atlanta Hawks were making a comeback and cut the Milwaukee yeah. lead to seven or eight, I was thinking maybe this won't be the last game. There might be one right. more. Uh, right. But as it turns out, the Bucks held on and won the series in six. I never thought he would utter the word retirement, never thought he would ever retire, uh, but seems really at peace, really happy with the decision. Um, celebrated a big birthday uh, last month, turned 80 in June. And, uh, you know, the last year and a half has been challenging for everybody, but uh, from a broadcast standpoint, uh, he worked a lot of games off monitors, uh, you know, as I did and so many other broadcasters around the country did as well. And yeah. I know he was so excited to get back into the arena for the All-Star game back in February and then for the uh, playoffs. So I think that was a, a great way to end. I'm not sure um, it would have had the same feeling for him had his last game been in a studio all by himself. Um, you know, I enjoyed seeing some of the old highlights and the photos uh, that were included during that final piece on Turner. But like I said, I never thought he would ever retire or uh, use the word retirement, but seems real happy with the decision. I remember years ago when Gil Santos retired after doing the Patriots for 40-some-odd years. He sent me a note. He says, Steve, I retired, and I found out I'm really good at it. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> well, what's really cool is your dad goes out on top. You know, over the last year, we've seen Mike Emmerich, Dick Stockton, uh, so many of the greats, the all-time greats, uh, decide to retire. Vince Scully a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, so happy for all of them that they're able to uh, go out on their terms and and not be forced out and still have time to enjoy life. Well put. Kenny, it's always a pleasure you know, know that. You're awesome, but always just great to talk to all the time on anything. Thank you so much. Well, Steve, really appreciate it. Uh, enjoyed catching up, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Sounds great, Kenny. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Kenny Albert. All right. What do you think about that? Marv, 80 years old. Now, you know, it's interesting that there are young people that get into this profession that their fathers were a part of our media and have done a great job of, quote, carving out their own outstanding work where people don't think of, well, you know, his dad. I'll give you a couple examples. The two NHL guys are going to be perfect examples of that. Sean McDonough is going to be the lead broadcaster for the NHL and ESPN. Sean McDonough's uh, father, Will, brilliant newspaper man and information man for NBC. But there's nobody here today that thinks about Sean McDonough being the son of Will McDonough. They think about Sean McDonough as, as his own outstanding broadcast entity. Kenny Albert's the same way. Marv Albert's your father. People look at Kenny Albert as his own outstanding broadcast entity. That's how good Kenny is. That's how good Kenny is. Speaks highly. Really does. All right. We will take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance. See, Suit Light's not quite in that same boat yet. No? Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. (laughs) Stop laughing. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. If you own an RV, you know your home on wheels needs the same protection as your actual home. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. 
Whether you hit the road for a weekend or a few months, Purdy Insurance can cover all of your recreational vehicles. From RVs, ATVs and side-by-sides to motorcycles and golf carts, offering you great coverage at the best price. Call Purdy Insurance at 570-286-5855 or request a quote online at purdyinsurance.com and see what we can do for you. All right, great to have you with us today on the show. Brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. The NBA has announced the game two of the finals, up 41% from last year. See, there you go. A little refreshment of teams, people in it. Look what happens. Amazing. No word on how it compares to 2019, which means it's way down. You're not going to hear that. (laughs) Oh, that's where, for example, the Andrew Marshans of the world come into play. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Footsteps with which suit light has to tread in. Think about that, Matt. Think about that. Lou Catrillo is going to be in the same spot. No? I, I think he might be in a better spot. Hmm. Good at a year and a half, I think the same thing. All right. So- <laughs> All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Our thanks to Kenny Albert joining us the previous half hour. Today's show being brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business, hey, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be. They'll take care of your insurance needs. And they'll do everything to get you the best price. And the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament is coming up August 4th. A mere 23 days away. Looking forward to it. Hmm? Should be a blast. I know you're looking forward to it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So there we are. And our confirmed part of our foursome, people are confirmed already, is myself, our SBC foursome, myself, the suit, and Chad Evans. Really? Yep. Suit's going to play. Suit is going to play. My question is whether I'm going to have a driver. Oh, yes. We need to get, you need to get that fixed. 
Well, what happened? Did I tell you how that? What happened? Yes, yes. But, but I, did, did I tell you the aftermath of it? That I don't know. Um. I have an opportunity to get one through eBay, just a driver head. Okay, because it's it's cracked all the way around. It's you know. So I was talking to Matt Bakovich, who uh, does a lot of work with the PGA at Penn State. And Matt also does all the analytics for the spikes. Well, Matt's so good at it, every team in the league is trying to get Matt to do their analytics for them. That's how good he is. But, you know, whenever I've needed, like, hey, look, take a look at my swing, adjust this, whatever, I'll go to Matt. So there's another guy, too, you don't know him named Dan, and I've played golf with Dan before. He says, uh, he said, I spoke with Dan, and he actually said that if I can take a picture of your driver head and contact Cobra directly, they'll send you a replacement for free, which happened to have a picture of the cracked head, which I did. All right? And... He says, "Perfect. I'll see what I can do." So I might be actually getting be getting a new driver head from Cobra for nothing. How about so, that? So that's what we're trying to do. All right. Well, I, well, I led, led into the the story about the putter. Oh, Jack and I were were playing at Chartiers. This is I don't know three years ago we were playing here. Last year we played Sunny. We played Chartiers several years. Last year we played Sunny Anna, and this year we're going to play Chartiers again. And I hit a, I hit a shot to the sixth hole, but it, it was the first. In fact, this is the first time I played the course. This may have been five years ago, right? And I I'd never played the course before, so I didn't realize, and I didn't have the Garmin with me or any of that stuff, um, that it had a false front. And I hit a shot where I thought, well, okay, I'm on the green somewhere. And it turned out I walked up there, and I was about maybe five or six feet short of the green. But I'm on the, you know, um, in the fairway port portion leading into the green. So I take out a sand wedge, and I take, uh, and I take the putter with me. And I'm going to decide what to do here. And the, the flag's more to the back. So I looked over, and... And I said, hey, Jack, what do you think? He goes, oh, no, I put it. And I said, oh, that's right. I forgot you can't chip. He goes, no, I can't. <laughs> I said, okay. So I decide to put it. Well, I put it, and I put it up just to the right of the hole, like maybe a foot to the right. That's fine. Good enough. So I bend down to get the sand wedge. But as I bend down the sand wedge, I've still got the putter in my hand, and you know, I'm not, like, leaning on it, but I'm just, you know, like you normally would. I'm like, boom. And all of a sudden, like, I feel everything go down. I'm like, what the heck? I, look, I looked at everybody and said, and in a fit of rage, <laughs> I'm holding the putter head in one hand and the club in the other. So I go back. So we're in the sixth hole, you know, and all I had to do was tap in anyway. So I just took a seven iron and tapped in. Right. So I putted with Jack's putter on the seventh, eighth, and ninth hole. So I'm putting right handed. 
fact, I almost made a putt on seven. Jack's like, hey, this, I like going. I said, no, this is so unnatural. I'm sorry. I don't see how you guys do this. <laughs> right. So I used Jack's putter on seven, eight, and nine. And they, they brought a left-handed putter to me to play the rest of the round. Okay. So now I go back to the golf shop. And I said, hey, by the way, that was thanks so much for the putter. I said, do you have any around here for me to take a look at to buy? And he said, he said, here's the weird thing. He said, that left-handed putter we gave you, which is obviously off our rental set, is the only one we have in the premises. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Huh. Wow. Okay. So I go back to State College, and I go to where I play. I play at the Penn State Blue and White courses. I'm going through the putters they have. You name it, they got it. You know what they don't have? Go ahead, take a wild guess. The driver. No, they own a left-handed putter. Ah. <laughs> There's no left-handed putters in the I said, I said, they said, no, we don't have any. I'm like, ah, really? So then, for a couple of yayas, okay, I go over to um, Walmart or whatever, and of course, <laughs> yippee! Of course, they don't have any. <laughs> Okay, we're rolling. So I go to Dick's Sporting Goods. Dick's Sporting Goods. This is what they specialize in. They've got all the putters in a semicircle. And I'm talking, there are a couple hundred of them. And guess what I didn't find? They didn't have a left-handed putter in the whole deal. <laughs> like, are you? I was looking around thinking, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> That's impressive. I mean, I've gone, I've, I've gone everywhere. I've gone to country clubs. I've gone to a golf club. I've gone to a sporting goods store. I went to a general's. No left-handed putters. I finally went over to Dunham's. So I go over to Dunham's, right? And Dunham's had like five of them. First one I picked up, I put a ball down, I sunk the putt. I said, that's it, we're done. <laughs> because I made it the first time, that's the one I took. <laughs> you know, I was just in the Susquehanna Valley Country Clubhouse not too long yep. ago. Yep. Getting some new gear for myself. Yep. And they had plenty of putters. So I think we need to hook you up. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's nothing to do. But it has to be left-handed. That's what I'm saying. They, they had plenty there, so they got to have left-handed. I went to Dick's Sporting Goods. That, I, they had I just 200 of them in a semicircle. They're all right-handed. All the ones at Walmart were right-handed. All the ones at Chartiers were right-handed. All the ones at the Penn State golf courses were right-handed. Every place I went, I went over to, um, uh, it used to be the Elks, Mountain View. Went yes. to Mountain View, right? No, all right-handed. I'm thinking to myself, 
I've went to six places before I found a left-handed putter. I'm thinking, I said, you got to be kidding me. What is this, like back the... in the day when nobody wanted anybody to be left-handed? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> it's just sat there. I, I get back. It got to the point where, okay, I was laughing. The first couple times, I was like, oh, okay, that happens. The third time, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The fourth time, I started laughing. Fifth time, I was in hysterics. I said, this is unbelievable. And, um, yeah. <laughs> Finally got one. Walked up there, put a ball down. First first putt I took with it, went in the hole. I was like, that's it. <laughs> that's the one we're taking. And that's the one I've had ever since. Now i got to get the driver thing straightened out. If not, if I don't have it by then, I'll just play the Purdy tournament with a forward. What's wrong with that? I can make other plays. It's it's a scramble, for goodness sakes. You can help with your drive on par threes. You can help with your drive by at least being in the fairway. You can help with wedge play. There are other ways to help. Or maybe I'll go out. And I'll go to a specialty shop and get this thing called the Chutter. No. Oh, my almighty! By the way, have you seen the Yankees draft? Have they ever botched this draft up? Have you seen this? A little bit here and there, yeah. I'm just kidding. Nobody knows any idea who these people are. All right. <laughs> I just know that they drafted a second baseman from Louisville in the fourth round, so I figured he's got to be good. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Whatever it happens to be. What do you think of this guy? What do you mean what I think of him? Right? The vast majority of these players I have not seen. Now, some along the way, as this draft goes, there'll be some players in here I've seen, and I can make an evaluation of where they are now. But what do you think of how the Phillies drafted? I don't know. I don't even think the Phillies know. You put up a, you know, this happens. uh, Like with the Pirates, they took Davis, the catcher, out of Louisville. All right. Really power in the bat, great arm, but not a great catcher. I think he's going to end up being another position, like a first baseman is a possibility, which is fine. Um, but there are seven players. This is not a. There's no Bryce Harper at the top, where it's obvious you take that person first. There's no Steven Strasburg at the top. It's obvious you take him first. There's probably seven different guys that were worthy of being a first overall pick in the draft. The Pirates took one of those seven guys. Okay, great. Um. It's it's a deep draft in a lot of ways, but these these are all roll the dice. Nobody knows. You absolutely have to take Mark Appel first, okay? And you do, and all of a sudden uh, he has. Yeah. It's the way it goes. You just, I mean, this baseball of all the drafts, this is the one where it's just such a roll of the dice, especially guys that are high school players. And also, but we I, had I, a Central PA product, number eight to the Rockies, Benny Montgomery. Yeah, Benny Redland. Montgomery went. Yep, went to the uh, Colorado Rockies. 
which is great. Now it's a long road, but his slide number is really good. How about that? That's what you got to love, the slot number. You know what? Um, I mean, that's what you're looking for in this. You sit back and go, Benny Montgomery. You know what You know what his slot number is? $5.18 million. How about that? Way to go, Benny. <laughs> that is a good start. Not bad. No. Not bad at all. 5.18. That's his slot number. Now, Davis, you're wondering, Davis is the first overall pick. His slot number is 8.42. But my understanding is he is not going to take 8.42. He's going to take less than that. And the reason he'll take less than that is so uh, the Pirates can use more money to sign other people. That's where Lonnie White comes into play. Will they put more money into trying signing him at 64 and then... At that point, can't play football at Penn State. That's the intrigue of this draft from the local point of view. But it's like, you remember when Nick Dunn was picked? What was Nick, a sixth-runner pick? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Really like really like Nick. Not a little, a lot. But, all right. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. It's John Dotson, by the way. Notice the poise with which John speaks. Very, very poised. Um, Name, image, and likeness is uh, perfect for a guy like him. Really is. Uh, locally, uh, NBA Game Two did well. Phoenix twenty-four nine forty-nine share. Milwaukee twenty-four eight forty share. Um, the um, the early look at some of the local market numbers, according to John Oran, suggests another big ratings drop from twenty nineteen but an increase from the 2020 bubble that could approach double digits. But the problem is, is that when you look at 19, it's a huge drop. From 2020? 
So that's where uh, that's where they are. They're somewhere in the middle. You know, you're talking about new blood and what it means. You know, but don't get caught up in this um, in the idea that look, the NBA ratings are way up from last year when nobody watched it. No, it's a valid point. I mean that's the the problem is not what the compared to twenty comparing it to twenty that's you know the NBA does not put out anything that talks about where they are along the way. Let's see here initial ratings NBA finals up over last year but lower. Um, this is from Forbes. Uh, for the suit, that's a magazine on business. Right. What? Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. I just try to help out where I can. Uh, 8.6 million viewers, an increase of 13% from the historic lows of the finals last year, but down 35% compared to the finals in 2019. Okay, there's there's where you are. Okay. The overall viewership numbers are still the second lowest on record ahead of only last year's rating. All right. I'm just glad I was able to explain to the suit what, what, like, if I read a story in Forbes. I mean, you've gone back to the office. Like, most people, like, will have, uh, like, Sports Illustrated or the Wall Street Journal or something there. You go into the suit's office, he has Mad Magazine. I, I just, I... I I have no words. <laughs> Today's show has been brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. <laughs>